welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. You're listening to season two. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. This podcast is fueled by Ditto, a team that is on a mission to eliminate team burnout by implementing systems and processes that streamline your business's growth. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Thanks for tuning into In Systems We Trust. My name is Mark Key and I'm your host. And today I'm talking with Nicole McKevickis. She is the owner of Nicole & Co. Nicole is an entrepreneur focused on guiding and supporting other entrepreneurs to thrive and scale in their businesses. Nicole spent years in the corporate world learning how to build a culture from the ground up and getting people passionate about their work. Nicole has worked with Fortune 500 companies to develop systems and supports that lead teams to success. And she is now bringing that same knowledge and energy to others. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Oh, thank you, Marquis, for having me here. I'm so excited. I'm excited as well. This has been a long time coming. I'm, I'm going to get to it at some point. But for the listeners, Nicole and I used to work together in another life um, so, so long ago. Not that long ago, but... It feels long ago. It feels long ago. It actually, yeah. So um, I'm excited to to catch up and hear what you've been up to and and talk about where you've been uh, spending your time. So first off, I mean, I know a little bit of it, but I I think you have such an incredible story, Nicole. And I'd love to start off just by hearing about your career. You know, where have you been, you know, and what's brought you to the place that you're at right now? Sure. Um, that might take up the whole show, Marquis. I'll cut you off <laughs> if it's going too journey. long. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, if I want to go right back, I, I owned my first business at 17. So fresh out of high school, I, I um, was not a lover of high school, of all things education. I really fast-tracked, did a lot of um, summer school programs so I can get through it and out of it, and opened my first business when I was 17. Um, did that for three years. I ended up selling that business, getting into um, the retail service industry, and then working my way up through corporate into divisional roles, you know, executive leadership roles in many, many companies. So won't bore you with all the companies, but uh, just sort of kept making my journey through there. Um, and then just really aspiring to want to move up that corporate ladder be able to impact and empower um, as many people as I possibly could. In between that period of time, I dabbled in some other business um, opportunities. And these were all brick and mortar businesses at the time. Um, And then found myself um, through that corporate chain really probably would say about 20 years ago where I was really feeling like I wasn't connected to the company I was working for in terms of values, culture, and that was sort of my first flip of, it really isn't just maybe about what position I was holding. It was more about how was I impacting. And I think, and in, in, don't want to date myself, but um, there was a period of my leadership time that there wasn't a lot of people caring about their teams. There, it just wasn't the culture in corporate. And it just wasn't resonating with me. It's not what I wanted to do. I was stressed. I was, you know, like it just was not, not fun to go into work. And I started to really um, kind of focus on what I wanted to do at that time. And I came across a company that you and I both worked for that really had at the time a phenomenal culture and this ability to allow you to lead people, to empower people, um, 
but had such an incredible systems and process. It was, I remember the first time I had worked for a company that I saw this in action and how I could see it work and be successful for people. Um, and then I was with them for a very long time and then led me to where I am today, which is like a bit of a different story. But basically I have been in executive senior level leadership for, I want to say 20 plus years, but we'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> it started when I was three. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I'm sure people are probably wondering yeah. what company did you work for? We're not going to tell you. It's a secret. You can, you can go, you can go <laughs> figure it out on LinkedIn and cross-reference. Um, yeah. Just interesting yeah. that you brought up the culture piece and, you know, um, this importance on people, because I remember one of the leaders of the company that we worked for, you know, um, they would always say that, you know, your people are your most important asset right above everything else and so those there there definitely was a huge focus on people development succession training yeah. right there was there was no shortage of any of that so and and it's interesting that you're bringing a lot of that into the work you do now which is a question I'm going to ask a little bit later I could go to yeah. it but we'll, we'll definitely get there um I, I want to go back though you said that you you started your first company when you were 17 and then you sold it. I need more information. What was that company? What were you doing? And, and what, yeah, no, what, so what did that I, sale look yeah. like? <laughs> I owned a Shell gas station and convenience store in Ottawa from, I was going to say the years, but I'm not going to say the years because that was really going to date me. But yeah, um, at the time it was with my first husband and it was an adventure I had like I had never worked a convenience store. Like my part-time jobs had nothing to do with gas. I never worked a gas station, never worked a convenience store. It was sort of this opportunity. At the time I lived up in Sudbury, Ontario, if you know where that is. Um, so not only did I, you know, leave home, start this business, but I, I moved to a, a city I had never lived in. And in that first year we tripled, we tripled the store sales. Um, it was a phenomenal experience and one that, I had a lot of, um, there's a lot of challenges. I was very young female in a very male dominated environment at the time. Um, we were new to the city, so there wasn't a lot of acceptance at the time for that either. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was very, it was very challenging, but amazing at the same time, because I really had to find my voice. I had to have a lot of confidence. I had to maybe have, um, some fake confidence at the time because I was I was young yeah. I was I was you know I was young but I I've worked since I was in grade five volunteer work um, I've always you know been given a lot of um, responsibility with the jobs that I had previously to that so it it uh, it just sort of felt natural but when you when you look back and I think really what, what was I who who gave me that business <laughs> like who allowed me to sign those legal documents of of going into this business and. And taking on such a challenge, but it's one that I actually will will never never regret um, taking on for sure. Why, why did you decide to sell it? Um, we were we were actually were going to buy into another business, um, and in full transparency, the marriage was was not in a great place at the time. So it was just sort of the next decision of of dissolving that okay. relationship. But I also don't know; it, it really wasn't my calling. So I do have this feeling like, I'm sure we'll talk about it throughout this, this podcast today, but um, I really have to be passionate about what I'm doing. Mm. And I mean, I'm passionate about driving cars. 
and I want to get from A to B. <laughs> but there wasn't a lot of, you know, I went in and I was I was more excited about driving the business and and um, you know scaling it. I don't think we used the word scale back then, but right. that was important. But I, I wasn't passionate about what I was doing. This was not going to be my life. This was just a really good stepping stone of of running a business and understanding what it would take. Awesome. Okay. Incredible. Yeah. Um, th- th- this is something that I, I, I want to start um, asking my guests because whenever, you know, I'm, I'm telling my story and sharing, you know, how Ditto came to be, you know, it, it's always around this this time. And I'll just say March 2020 and everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. Right. So I'd love to know what's your COVID story? Where were you? What was going on when the world shut down? Yeah, so it's it's sort of an inter- interesting story. Um, you know, everyone, I think, well, not every, I mean, every, not I think, everyone had to make a lot of pivots, whether you stayed with your company or whether you made a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, in January, I, the January 2020, I had made the decision to purchase um, a tourism business, sort of up north and near Tomori. So it was a very big decision because I was leaving my corporate job that I really, you know, I, I loved the company. I had nothing bad to say about the company, but I also knew I wasn't thriving. Like there was something missing for me, something changed. And it was just time for me to, to be looking at doing something again, I was passionate about and that I wanted to, to explore. And so I came across this business. So I had given a lot of notice to the company. I helped with the offboarding and onboarding and transition of the new, new hire um, and I was in the process of working with the owner of the business I was buying and we were just doing some off onboarding offboarding. So that was sort of through February and that March, like days before the world shut down, I was doing buying shows. So we had these vendors coming in for the new business and we were signing the doc, final documents of the, of the business on that Wednesday of a March. I always say the March break cause that was March break for us. And my husband and I were having these conversations back and forth of like, is this a good idea? You know, there's all this sort of conversations going on and this is a tourism business. We don't know what's happening, but we hadn't closed the world yet. So, and we talked about the fact that you don't buy a business for one season and totally get it, but this is not something anyone had ever experienced. Like we didn't know. And here I was up in this remote place. And let me tell you in February up North near Tobamori, nothing is opened. It's by appointment only restaurants included. Wow. I'm in this motel that I'm the only one staying in. <laughs> like it was, I uh, had a little bit of a feeling of the shining very much when I was all alone in this place. And and so I think it was the, I can't remember now, it was the Monday or the Tuesday when I, you know, called my husband and said, what do you think? And it was the first time he said, yeah, I think you should come home. Mm-hmm. And so went home, we called the lawyers and said, look, we need to just take a couple of days to think about what we're going to do. And Something in me just didn't feel right of moving forward, um, made the decision not to move forward. So canceled the deal. And probably about three days later, I woke up in bed panicking at the fact that I was out of my corporate job. Mm. This business was not going to play out and the world just shut down. What was I going to do? Like <laughs> this absolute sort of like panic attack of what, what I was going to do. And then, we just sort of had a little bit of a conversation about we're in this together and we'll figure it out. And it was ultimately the best decision that I could have ever made. Um, and then turned into such a glorious adventure for the next like two years. Aren't you so glad? And I mean, it's obvious that your, your experience at that point regarding business probably helped in that decision-making. I mean, you had a gut feeling, 
you followed that gut feeling. Was that the case or are there other factors at play? Yeah, no, I think we absolutely, I, I knew that it was going to be a risk. Like I did not have equity in the business. You know, here's, here's an owner who owned the business for 30 plus years. She had equity. She, she could, you know, deal with the business differently. Um, I was going to be handing over a significant chunk of money, like just as the, as the agreement was, here's the chunk of money. And then I'm looking at probably about $300,000 worth of stock inventory. I was going to be buying Mm -hmm. after that. And we were closed. I knew that the third busiest month of the year that they are, they have is all from European travelers. And I couldn't foresee, even when I think about that, you know, we were so fresh into COVID. Like, I don't know how we even knew, like, you know, we, I think we were thinking, oh, six weeks, we're all going to be opened up and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And even then I was fearful, like, are we really going to be seeing European, you know, travelers coming? Um, and I just, yeah, there was just something in me that said, I don't think this is the right decision. And and we look back at it now and it, I don't know if it was just COVID, there was something. And, and so I just think things, I don't want to say things happen for a reason, but I do think your journey will change and, and your decisions are meant to happen the way they do. And it leads to different, you know, a different direction. And for me, it, it really then forced me to sit down and say, what do I want to do? You know, I, I was very lucky that I could do that stress-free. Like I had my own stresses because that's who I am. I need to be working. I want to be working. Sure. Um, but I had this opportunity to just stop for a second and say, what do you really want to do? Who do you want to service? How do you want to serve people? What brings you joy? Let's go after it. So, which is the perfect that segue. I am. Yeah, that's a, a <laughs> great segue. It's like you're reading my notes. So, I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> let's let's jump into to where you're at right now. So, in, in your bio, I read that you know you help develop um, systems and supports for for businesses. So, what does that look like in your organization? And you know, what kind of work do you do you do at Nicole and Co? I know that online business management is a header. So what is that exactly? And what kind of service are you, yeah. are you providing for your customers? Everything pretty much. So right. I, I try to, I try to put this into a very easy term. And, and what I will say, Marky, when you and I connected, um, I had so much energy when I got off the phone, because I'm sure you understand this is that if someone, if you're talking to someone who is not working in this space, it's really hard for them, for you to articulate what you do. Mm-hmm. And for anyone to understand it. And I, and I, a lot of these things, I had no idea what they were before coming into it and having to learn stuff, right? We had someone at the office do it, or you had an assistant that did it. And it's like, oh, it just magically appears. And all of a sudden now I'm like, oh, I, I'm the magician. Like I have to do that. I have to do that yep. for someone. So what I would say in a really basic um, answer to that is that I will run other entrepreneurs' businesses for them. And so the clients that I work with, it is basically customed for them. But if I put it out in simple terms, you know, I will run their operations, their entire operations of their business. I will be responsible for metrics, financial, you know, how we spend the money, money coming in. Um, I will do full team management. Um, so completely where I have clients that are just hands off. I'm, I'm their contact to all their, their team members, freelancers, contractors, that kind of stuff. Um, And then I run all projects, launches, events, conferences online, like virtual or in-person, which we have had our first, we had our first one in the fall of an in-person conference, which did feel kind of scary and also exciting to to know you're getting back at it. Um, So that's kind of like the big picture. And so somebody would hire me to basically come in. and, And I think as we've talked before, that entrepreneurs get to that point where 
they, they do so much themselves. They yeah. get to that point where, okay, they've scaled as far as they can scale on their own. They have, for the most part, probably gone out and bought all of these systems just randomly. You know, they ad hoc as they go. Yep. Um, without any real thought to it. It's like someone told me to get this system and someone told me to get this system. And so they, they do that. They probably have a really great VA. Maybe they have two VAs, um, but they're at that point where they're burnt out, exhausted and questioning why they're doing this. Like they can't remember why they started it because they've just been in the day-to-day -day weeds. So when I come in, I basically, my focus, my goal is to remove that from a client. So, um, you know, if you're looking at it from a COO or CEO, whatever position you want to look at from a corporate, that's that's what I'm doing and then protecting the time. So what I like to say is that I provide or give back to a client space, time and freedom for however they want to use it. So whether they want to use it because they want to go just have more of a, a personal life, like they want to go back to what their goal was. I want a three day work week. I want a four day work week. Um, or they're putting it back into creative or they're putting it back to where their passion is for their business. And every client is a little bit different. So you might have a client who's like totally into social media. They want to do that. They want to be creative. You have other ones that are just development in terms of their courses. Other people are really focused on sales and want to get back just into fully sales. But I take care of the rest of their business for them. Interesting. I don't know if that's <laughs> this, the basic explanation of, Absolutely. of what I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought you summed that up really well. So let's talk about space, time, and freedom. I love just how, how those words really come together because it's definitely something that entrepreneurs are seeking. And so my, my question is, how yeah. are you doing that? You're coming in at a point where they're either on their own or they've brought in one or two individuals and they're looking to scale, grow, and get more of this space, time, and freedom. Yeah. But I know entrepreneurs, you know entrepreneurs, right? They have a hard time giving up those things because uh, they've yes. always been the person in the business that's doing them. And it's really hard for them. Even now, like I'm what, six years in to, to entrepreneurship. And yeah. even for me, I see a message in Slack or I see a task that's assigned to someone else in Asana. And I'm thinking, I could do that in three seconds. I'm just going to go do it. But no, that's not my responsibility. I shouldn't get involved yeah. in this. I need to protect my my time, my space, and my freedom. So how are you conveying the importance of that to your customers? And what does resistance look like as they're trying to adjust? Oh, yeah. So, and again, I think every client's a bit different. But at the end of the day, this is their baby. And I, and I think as, I, as myself or anyone in these roles, and, and whether you're an online business manager you know, uh, director of operations, everyone's got a different title out there. So whoever's coming in and, and doing this role for an entrepreneur, they need to really keep in mind that this is their baby. They've created this. It's so important to them. And, and I have to be very delicate about that and really, really honoring and respecting it. Um, but I think it also takes a really strong person who can manage a client. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's about, you know, really understanding what their goals are, what's important to them, where they see their time. And I, and I ask them questions like, where do you see your time being spent? What do you want to be doing? And what are the things that are getting in the way? And so that, that, that beginning onboarding and um, auditing of systems and auditing of time and tasks, that's a long process. And depending on what kind of a client it is and how open they are to it, you know, you'll get that information faster. But I always start with a three month, I call it the three month dating period. Because I do really think it's three months you're going to really know whether two people are compatible enough in this in this 
space that I'm going to be able to help this person and that they're going to, they're going to allow me to help them. Um, and in that, I think it takes about three months to truly understand because I have to identify what the client needs and what the issues are, but I also have to identify what the clients don't even realize mm-hmm. are the bottlenecks and the problems. Yeah. But for the most part, I'd say they, they understand it. Um, and then I go back, a lot of the conversations are around, like when you said, if I see a message in Slack, it would take me three minutes. But my question mark key would be, what else could you be doing in three minutes that's going to generate you something different in your business? Yeah. Right? Like you don't need to be doing that. There's someone to do it. And if we don't trust the people we have, that's a, that's a different situation. So I do assess teams. Do we have the right people? Are they doing the right tasks? Like, are they trained for this? Do we have systems in place? Like we can just go on and on, but it's really just come down to an auditing, but it comes down to the team. Cause I, I am really passionate about team. I'm really passionate right now about, and one of the sort of offerings I'm going to be going down, down the road with in my business is really making sure that we have a great culture and a great engagement with our, our, our teams, because a lot of times they're not employees. And I just, I see that there's opportunity for us to treat our, our contractors and freelancers better and, and to make sure that they're feeling like they're part of the team. Um, now in terms of resistance, yeah, I think, again, you just have to really have good relationship with the client. You have to really go back to their goals and what they're wanting to achieve and having them know that I'm doing when I say things or when I'm doing things, it's because I'm protecting their ultimate goal and I am protecting their business. And the clients that I work with now, you know, I get, I get phone calls, I get text messages saying, I'm so grateful for you because, you know, we were on this, you know, let's say we were on a call and like mama bear came out and I could see that you were protecting my time or, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about. The clients need to be at their best when, and I'm sure you've worked with clients when you know they're at burnout, it's not a joy to be around any of us, like our our entrepreneurs ourselves, right? Like when we're at burnout, which happens, like we have to be very honest about the fact that we also, you know, can go down the road of burnout and we're not nice to be around. And so you've got clients that are in that place. It's not doing anyone any good. So it just has to keep going back to reinforcing, you know, and, and understanding their why, like I think, and, you know, starting with why and asking why and, and understanding it allows me to manage it. I love that. So. Yeah. And so on the subject of, you know, there are clients reaching burnout. I see it so often, even when we are uh, going through our process of discovery or implementation, There, there's mm-hmm. so much to be uncovered. We have this timeline that we need to stick to and we're, we're trying to um, get them to a point where, you know, their business, we, we can put it on paper, we can assign tasks to other people, but even asking them to do the those little things to get us information to provide, like they're so in the weeds. And so do, yeah. do you think that there's a time in the, the life cycle of an entrepreneur's business where without a doubt, they need to invest in systems. They need to invest in, in outsourced help so that they don't get to a point in their business where there's just so much going on and they're so overwhelmed. Is there a sweet spot there that you've seen? Yeah, I think, well, and I do think it's before they get to that point of burnout. I, I think the bigger challenge is for an entrepreneur, you know, if you're in, if you have, if you haven't hit about a 500,000 yet, cause I, I would say for the most part, um, a client probably is not going to work with me from a, on a retainer, you know, basis until they're about 500,000 higher. Um, and that's just because when you're looking at expense, you know, what you don't want to do is have a client who is so every month is just meeting 
the the requirements of the team, right? Like you, we've we've got to we've got to sort of be respectful of that. And that's the other thing is that I'm a protector of your money. Hmm. So when because I have clients who are like I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> okay, hold on a minute. We can do all those shiny things, but this means you're going to have to be generating this much revenue. So what's the plan for that? You know, and then you have them just go, okay, yes. Yes. You know, I understand that. So again, having someone who's very protective of that piece and, and not trying to be the dream crusher of all dream crushers, but I just want us to be, you know, in a reality because I want to protect that mental health space as well for, for a client. Um, Cause it is very stressful when you know you are paying the bills, like you're helping to pay other people's bills yeah. and your business is, you know, allowing other people to survive. So that's a lot of pressure and stress that can be landing on a, on an entrepreneur when they're not doing it on their own. What I find though, is they get to that point where they don't want to spend money. They want to make money, but they don't want to spend money. Right. And that's that. I feel like that's the part that I would say is the sweet spot. Like if you start to feel that way, that's when you have to invest because you know, you need the people, but you're so scared about spending the money. And what ends up happening in that situation. And what I tend to walk into is we've hired all of these. I don't want to say junior, like I hate when we use like junior copywriter and junior, you know, like, Okay, so they're just starting off their career. <laughs> they could actually be really brilliant yeah. <laughs> and probably the best copywriter you've ever had. But because they just started, we're gonna we're gonna label them as a junior. Yeah. But sometimes what I see, you know, entrepreneurs and clients do is they they try to find the cheapest way, and that's actually what causes them more trouble, more burnout, more stress. So uh, that sweet spot is is right before you know you're probably hitting around that five hundred thousand when it's like you really if, if you want to be investing in someone that's going to come in and run your business. Um, so I would say that's probably that, that place there. Um, I, I don't know if, an, like, I just, it's hard because I don't know if an entrepreneur is really going to acknowledge it at that, at that moment, they're just going to start to feel very differently. So I would say if you're starting to feel that the joy isn't necessarily there, if you're starting to feel like you could do it better and faster, then there's a, there's a, there's a problem. There's a, there's a miss there. It's a gap. We've got to find that gap. So if you're listening to this podcast, if that's how you're feeling, it's time to make a call. And even if it's not to hire, you know, hire someone, it's maybe just having to reach out to someone to go, can you help me figure out what's my next step? Because not everyone, like you might not need me as a retainer in your business, but you might need someone like me to come in and help you fix some of the gaps that are in your business. Hey everyone, it's me, Marquis. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a bit more about Ditto. If you've been listening to In Systems We Trust for a while, you've heard firsthand accounts of how systems and workflows change the landscape of work for businesses and leaders across the globe. Ever felt like there just aren't enough hours in the day? Is your startup starting to grow and scale and you're wondering how your systems will scale with it? Maybe you're part of a widespread multi-level corporation that needs to update and overhaul its standard operating procedures. Well, if you can relate, Ditto can help. Eliminate team burnout, keep your best talent, and have a clear system in place to help you and your business achieve your goals. Visit thinkditto.com to learn more. Oh, I love that. I love that. Some, some, some takeaways there that I just jotted down was, you know, you're not, you're not experiencing that joy in your business anymore, and you think you can do it better and faster. It's time. Right. And to not be yeah. scared when you start to feel that that uh, that strain, it, it's time or maybe it's even too late. And so let, I, want yeah. to, I want to circle back to to your time audit. So you say you're auditing your your client's time. How are you doing that? Are you implementing like time tracking and using toggle or harvest or something like that? Are they, yeah. are they doing time, yeah. I, physical time logs? I do. And I, so I do and I don't. 
I, I, when I start with a client, because here's the other thing is, I, you can't typically add on to a client's workload, even at the start, right? It just feels heavy. So I try to do as much as I can where I'm not adding to a client's workload. So how can we, how do we, um, how do I get the answers that I'm looking for from a client's perspective? So what I usually say is, okay, every time you're doing something in your business that you don't like, write it down, sticky note, I don't care how, send me by Voxer. I want to know like what, if you're doing something you're like, this is, this is not fun. I have to go do this. Or this takes me way too long. It's not my, it's not my jam. It's not my, you know, my strength. Write those things down because that, that's going to help me understand where the client is. And then I do ask the client, you know, what they love doing. But for the most part, it's really working with the team that they already have and understanding what they're doing and how they're spending their time. And that I do, I always start off asking people to track their time, like by project. So again, it depends on what the client is. If we're, if we've got freelancers that we are really just hiring for like, you know, Marky, I need you to, I need you to come in and just edit this video. You're probably going to come in and say, here's the cost. Here's what's going to cost you. So there's, there's no real follow-up on that one video. This is what's going to cost me to, to do that. But when I talk to the contractors that you have as team members, one of the things I've, I've identified is that we don't have people doing things that they're, they're strong in. Mm-hmm. And so we either need to, I, the idea is we need to invest in their development and training. I'm not a big fan of just like let them go. If this person's been with you, and and they're you're, you know you're they've been there and they've been supporting your business. They love your business. Is this a teachable task or skill for this person? So that's where I come in. And like clients don't want to teach and train and develop. Like they're busy. Depending on what if there's a service they provide or a product they you know um, supply to someone, they're busy doing that and you're not gonna get the best out of them to train. And that's where I come in and go, look, I'll get your team to where they need to be, right? Or we're gonna invest in getting them what they need and or get them doing the right tasks so that we have someone else doing something, like get someone else in that can be doing that task. That's that's a strength for them. Um, and a lot of it is about identifying their team and, and what they're doing and how the time is spent. And even going through, like when I look at, yeah, there's time and tracking it, and, a, and a deciding if we're spending enough time, because what a client will do, and sorry, I'm on, I'm on a tangent now, no, Marky, but what no, clients no, will no. do is be like, uh, Nicole, uh, that will take, it'll only take 30 minutes. Like every task a client usually thinks is gonna be a 30 <laughs> minute task. Like regardless of level, of, of it doesn't matter. It's like, it's gonna just take, it'll probably just take them 30. It'll just take them 30. And it's like, okay. So sometimes I have them tracking so I can go back to a client and say, I need you to understand the time it really takes for that task. I, I need you to get your, I just need you to get aligned with us because there's a lot of stress that will then happen across a team when everyone thinks they need to be doing it faster. And we end up getting subpar work. Like then we're not happy. Then the client's upset because, well, this isn't, you know, this isn't quality work. Well, it isn't because this is probably an hour and a half task and we're stressing them out by saying it's 30 minutes. So I'll do that time tracking, but I also think that it's about you know, who is doing what tasks and are they the right people for it? Because if you asked me to go into Canva today and create you the graphic or audiogram for today's podcast, it's going to take me more time than you're going to want to pay me for. Mm. Now, if I got my resident Canva specialist who loves this and, and, you know, does audiograms really fast, boom, they're going to, they're going to execute that and, and and deliver, you know, perfection. So are we doing the right thing? Do we have our people doing the right thing? And then I also look at how much of our time is spent 
on either sales or service. Like, so everything, every step we're doing, what's the intention? Is this going to help move my business? So, you know, when I talk to a client, you want to, you want to do something, let's say they tell me they want to do it. What's the intention behind this and how is it going to move the business? And should we be doing this? I think that's where a lot of roadblocks happen and where time is spent and, you know, we're not moving the business forward because for the most part, entrepreneurs are very creative. They go to bed, they wake up, they got 10 new ideas. They want to execute them yesterday, <laughs> you know, and, and they put it on your plate. And, and so my job really is to go love all of these. And I usually do, and I'm super excited. And sometimes I can get sucked into like, yeah, let's do it all. And then, and then I, you know, step away and I go, wait a minute, like, how, how are we going to execute all of this? Like, this is oh, huge. Man. Do we have the bandwidth? Can we do it? And is this something we should be doing right now? Now, sometimes a client might come back and say, I don't care. Like, I actually don't care if this produces me any money. I just want it. I have a client who's launching a podcast and it really is about, I just want a podcast. <laughs> She's just so super excited to do it. And it's like, okay, that brings you joy. And that's something you want to be doing. I'm going to put it on the list. Right. But sometimes I have to come back and go, we're not doing that now. Cool idea. Let's make it, you know, a Q3, Q4. And, and then clients will come back and be like, I don't know how I thought we could, you know, execute all of this stuff. So again, it, you know, I, I get into, I get very passionate, Marquis, when I talk, <laughs> I talk yeah. about this stuff, but you know, I, I think for the most part, it's just really having that. I, I go back to like, what does the client really want? And in terms of goals for their business, and then how do I ensure that everything we do is going to impact those goals? And, and sometimes it's having hard conversations with a client. And that doesn't come on day one. You don't walk into day one and, and be able to tell a client, we're not going to do that and have them be like, super great, Nicole. So glad you brought it up. Like, no, there's there's clients who are, and I work, and I work with or have worked with clients that are very like, they don't trust it initially. You've got to build a relationship and then you build it. And now I'll get calls from clients saying, hey, I just want to run this by you. I just really trust your thought on how I should handle it. Here's my thought. Let me know. And that to me is a win. Like that fills me completely when a client is, is reaching out to say, I need your, your thoughts on this. Cause I know that trust factor is there and they have handed their business to me. Right. And it's the same as when a client said, I went on vacation. I've never been on vacation. I never thought about work. That's a win. Right. Like those are, so it's the financial, and I, and I, like, I have a client who would not celebrate sales with me. Like she wouldn't, you know, she'd just say, Oh, you know, can you, can you get this contract together? We just sold a, we just sold a, a coaching client. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's not how we celebrate. So you're going to resend a text message to me because we're going to celebrate yeah. that you just, you know, you've, you've done this. And so, you know, it's creating that culture as well. I'm like, we're going to celebrate. It's okay to share your success. So, you know, you have different clients that are um, different ways in how they run their business. And, and then I just got to come in and get to know each one individually and, and what motivates them, what their fears are. And that's the things I really dive into, like what their fears are. I know what my clients are fearful of. I know what stresses them out. I know what I can allow in and out of their emails or in their space at that given time. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It does. And I was laughing earlier because you're describing me to a T and I'm sure a lot of <laughs> entrepreneurs, CEOs who just have these ideas. I mean, every morning I'll wake up or I, I tend to be really creative either in the evenings or on the weekends when I'm supposed to be relaxing and doing nothing, but I'm notorious for like 
building a landing page or creating a new offering or a new program or something. Yeah. And then I come to Monday morning and I'm so excited to tell everybody. And they're just like, what, <laughs> what are you thinking? We can't do that. Like we don't have enough yeah. capacity. Like let's just slow down. What's the rush? And I'm like, man. Yeah. And then it's just sitting on the back burner for so long until, you know, we come around to it and realize it's a priority. So um, what I'm trying to say is yeah. I need your service, you know, Ditto's, Ditto's got a COO uh, spot open if you're interested, but th- that's really interesting that you actually take that yeah. step with your customers. And so when it comes to moving their business forward, are you helping them set those metrics, putting it on a timeline and saying, okay, for Q, whatever, we're going to focus on this and the results will look, should look like X so that in the next quarter, we focus on this and then the result should look like X. Are you helping them move forward and actually track like financial metrics and you know, different, yeah. different KPIs as well? Absolutely. And I think this is, this is the one thing I was really probably surprised at how many clients, entrepreneurs do not track their stats and numbers. Mm. Um, Partly too, I think because making a spreadsheet is just, there's not like, there's not many people who are like, let's get into the numbers. And it's really exciting. Right. And then uh, you and I both know that we came from a world, just, just one part of my career came from a world where we did dive in and there were stories. And I get really excited about what the story is, not necessarily the numbers. Like what's the story, good, bad, or ugly. I want to know how we got here and how we, we continue it or how we don't. So I love that, that piece of it. There's not a lot of clients that do. And I have not yet worked with or met a client who has a really good system in place. Mm. Like I have to come in and go, you know, I was like, where's, where, where is everything? Oh, well, you can go into QuickBooks or you can go into Kajabi. You can go and see what we've sold. And it's like, well, no, 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 no. Like, you know, like, where is it? Where is it? Where, how do you see your trends and, and what works and you know, how many, anyways, all the stats. So that was one of the biggest eye openers for me is that they don't have it. And so all the clients I've worked with, we've certainly brought in. And again, with these clients, it's, you start off slow. So they're not really elaborate spreadsheets. We're not diving into everything. It is, here's the dashboard that'll actually show a client, but here's all the tabs that every, every team member is, you know, got all the detail and and the meat and potatoes in there. Um, Because there, a lot of times the bandwidth isn't there for it. They're very creative. They just want it to do well. They want us and, and really to me, they want me to make those decisions. So, you know, I have to, it's just, it's a fine balance of them realizing, like they know the importance of it. They know the importance. Of it. Like I've got to be, you know, I've got to make sales to make money to, like, so I don't want to make it out that they're, they're not, they don't think it's important or they're not focused on it, but there isn't anything in place. And so it's just going in and usually just starting off with just some basic tracking. And then you can start to see the excitement from there when they're like, oh, okay, so let's talk about your emails and what the open and click rates are and what those subject lines were. And, you know, and then I think when they realize that we hire team members on, like let's say, so you hire a a marketing manager and the marketing manager comes in and has nothing. So all of a sudden the entrepreneur feels like, Oh, okay. I should have had something. And how am I setting this person up to succeed and how do we measure them? And so, you know, a client that I have now, we just rolled out, an entire metrics template dashboard that I've set a, you know, a monthly call, everyone in the departments have to come in. And and I said, you know, we're not just going to run numbers. I just want to talk about the wins. And so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me, but um, there, I haven't yet come across 
a lot to have a really a really good plan in place. I'm usually implementing something and asking because I don't like to base decisions on recency or feeling. Mm. I, like that's just not how you run a business. It's part of it. Like part of it is what do we see recently? What's changed? What are the trends? And yes, we want to go by feeling. How does it feel? Like I have a client who is not passionate. There's a coaching client, not passionate about doing group coaching. Well, we all know if you do group coaching, you can service more people higher rate, less time, right? It yeah. makes sense. But if my client doesn't get joy from it, like it, it just doesn't do that. Her one-on-one does. Well, now we look at, so we're taking that group training and training into a digital offering, right? So it's like, how do you take like, so, so it's being aware, like, okay, well, that's fine. That doesn't bring you joy. Even though I know from a time perspective, it makes sense. I've got to balance her feelings and her joy. And now it's like, but we want money coming from this. Let's turn it into a, you know, a digital offering. It's like, so that's what we're, we're, and then to kind of go into it, like I'll take everything over to turn this into other than creation of the assets and videos. She, the client needs to do everything else lands on me to, to turn this into a digital offering. Okay. I love it. Um, on your website, and we're, we're getting close to time. I feel like I need to just extend the length of these podcasts because <laughs> I always get cut off and I just want to keep chatting. But, um, no, that's okay. I'm a talker too, Marquis. No, this has been incredible. And so I, I want to ask, and there's so many questions I'm not going to be able to, but um, on your website, it says that you help creative entrepreneurs get back to their zone of genius. Two-part question. Yeah. Do you listen to the Two Bobs podcast? No. Okay. You're going to write that down. Um, David Enns and um, Blair Blair Enns and David C. Baker. Sorry. Um, okay. They are two hosts of the, the Two Bobs podcast, and they go back and forth. And they are notorious for using this term, creative entrepreneurs. And so when I saw it on your website, I thought, oh, I wonder if she listens to it and is there any correlation there? And then the second part of what you say, like the zone of genius, can you describe for me what that means to you? Because I know in the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, he talks about this zone of genius where people are operating in this space where they're just like so focused. They are tapped into like that one thing that they are so, so good at. How how do you define the, the zone of genius? How yeah. do you convey that to your customers? Yeah, for sure. And I think there's so many buzzwords out there. Um, so I agree with you. It's like, how does everyone look at it? And so for me, when I think of zone of genius, I, I really look at it from where your passion is and where you're going to make an impact and where your strengths are. Um, you know, we might have the right people, but are they doing the right things? And so from a client perspective, it's, I need to understand where the client's time needs to be spent. And I also, so, you know, if, if you, if I work with a coaching client, obviously they need to be delivering excellent experiences with their clients. They're paying really good money. They can't walk into a coaching session feeling meh, you know, they've, they've got to be like, and they're doing, you know, probably three or four a day. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, okay, if I have a coaching client, you know, I know their zone is working with those clients. So I need to keep them protected. I need to keep those time protected. I need to t- keep their mental capacity focused on, you know, supporting them. But I also want to know what a client enjoys doing in their business, right? Like I can't strip them of everything. It is their baby and, and you'll layer it. Like eventually at some point they just have to or outsource it. And you're just sort of the, the face of the, the company and just creating assets. But I also want to know what is that, where is that place for them that gives them joy, makes them happy, f- it fills their cup, 
right? Cause it's, cause you know, when you do these things, you're drained at the end of, of the work that you do. So that, that's where I look at it. What, what do you enjoy doing with another client? It was so amazing that we asked each team member, what brings you joy in what you do? And even, and, you know, we had a client, one of our, one of our team members say, well, I really don't enjoy doing this part of the, of the job anymore. And the client looked at me and said, what can we do about it? And I said, we could take it off our plate and put it, hire someone else to do it. Hmm. And so, and the client said, I like that. And that's the direction we went. And so I think that this is a, this is a very different client. I love her to death because she cares so much about her team, but we knew that we wanted to ensure that this team member loved every minute they were spending with her business. Hmm. So I, so I think when I look at zone of genius, it just, it, you know, they need to have the strength for it. They need to have the, the knowledge behind it, but they also need to have the joy. And I do think that somebody who is, who is passionate about something can be taught as well. Like, so what is it marquee that you would like to be doing that you're not doing in your business or, or a skill set that you haven't learned yet? Yeah. And is that something that we can help you do? So I, I do kind of look at it of a bigger, bigger piece, but when I look at it from just a client, I want to just put you in a place that every day you enjoy walking into your business. You are passionate about what you're doing. You feel that, you know, you just feel that, that drive again, that was there the day you started. And that's really my hope is that I can give that back. To, to every client I work with. That's incredible. And, you know, when you said that they're about, you know, the team member wanting to switch roles, it, it makes me think back to something that you and I heard quite often was like the on the bus versus off the bus conversation, right? Yeah. Uh, the team members are either on the bus and they're, they're riding with you or we make changes to get them off the bus. But in many cases, they should be on the bus. They're just in the wrong seat. And yeah. you're transitioning them Absolutely. to that other seat so that they can be the best version of themselves. Uh, yeah. Nicole, where can people get in touch with you, uh, learn more about Nicole & Co? Where are you going in the future? Let's wrap that up. Yeah. So you can find me at NicoleAndCoOBM.com. And I am always open to conversations of anyone, even if it's just smart, you know, this, if this podcast just sparks questions. Um, even if you're not necessarily ready, like I get pure joy of helping people just work through it. Um, I, I like it fuels me when I can help people in any way, whether there's a, whether there's a payment to it or not, I, I get a lot of, a lot of joy in terms of the direction of my business. I have my retainer clients and I'm very picky with who I work with. I, I need to really be really passionate about what they do. Um, but I am launching some, some new offerings in the next probably three, three to four months. I'm, I'm doing some of it with clients now, but in terms of, of truly having packages together around, um, culture and team engagement. I'm really just making sure that entrepreneurs or team leaders are really understanding how to do that and, and giving them ways to be able to ensure that their team is super engaged, super passionate and delivering because we know the ROI on that um, or how it can hurt us when we're, we're turning over team members. And two, accountability. Um, I've seen really horrible ways that we have worked, not myself, but I've just seen um, different ways that people are working with their their team members, their contractors. Um, it's not great, you know, and, and you want people to be promoters, whether they leave your business or not leave your business, you want them to promote you. And so I think it's so important that clients, because a lot of clients have never been managers before. Mm. Like it's not a requirement, you know, and it can hurt entrepreneurs when they're taking over sort of management side. I've never had that experience. So really making sure that regardless of who you work with, short-term contractors, long-term contractors, 
that um, you have great accountability conversations and great culture. And then the other piece I'm tying into, because I've done this over the last couple of years, and it does fuel me, is really providing sort of roadmaps to new entrepreneurs. Mm. So people who, you know, are like, I'm leaving corporate, so, you know, the great resignation, everyone's everyone's walking out yeah. and wanting to do new things. But like myself, sort of went, I don't know this tech side of the world. I don't, like somebody at the office behind those doors did all this. Like, what is behind there? And, and so that's the other piece, because I really do enjoy it. Obviously, someone's starting out isn't really going to be able to bring me on in a, in a long-term capacity. But again, I get great joy of sitting down with someone and get listening to what their goals are and listening to their big dream and going like, here's how I can help you with a roadmap to get there. Incredible. So yeah. Nicole, <laughs> I cannot, <laughs> I, no, it's okay. I, I mean, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to, to chat. This was incredible. Again, I think we need to have a part two. I say that to a lot of people because I just feel like we get cut off so short, but I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing. Oh, thank you so much, Marquis. And I would definitely come back for part two. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. Head over to thinkditto.com to learn more about how the team at Ditto can help your business scale by implementing the systems and processes needed to get you there.